Gene Codes, Session 15. And here we are finally with The Hero's Journey. This one has been put onto the back burner for quite some time now. Um, but obviously, uh, apart from the pressure that it's, it's come up, you know, I can't keep postponing it. Um, it's, it's, I feel ready for it. I didn't feel ready for it, uh, with the previous sessions because when you look at a list of the different topics that you'd like to talk about, if you have a list, if you're fortunate enough to have a list, then it's always nice to go with the one that you're really feeling the most. And, and, uh, when you come up on, on one that you don't feel real, very much ready for, you know, you kind of, you can put that on the back burner or you can kind of send it, send it ahead. But it's not that there's anything tricky about the hero's journey. It's that, um, it's not always easy for me to describe all of these things because it's, it's a work in progress. It's something that I am continuously trying to understand because gene codes are something mysterious. There's something mystical about gene codes because it goes into the arcane. It goes far beyond what is normal in the world of trying to understand human nature, whether it be psychology, behavioralism, when you're trying to understand the human soul, when you're, you're trying to understand human beings and why they are the way that they are, there's a lot of mystery involved because science can't answer all of the questions that and all of the mysteries that we have about human nature. And one of those mysteries is the hero's journey. Now, I had heard of Joseph Campbell years ago. I didn't know much about him. And it wasn't through him that I came across the hero's journey, but rather someone who was influenced by him who wrote The Writer's Journey. Now, years ago, I used to go to the library often, and uh, I would always enjoy, you know, bringing home a nice stack of books that that grabbed my attention. I used to spend most of my time in, in the philosophy section and <laughs> because it's 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 what it's what grabs me the most. And one day I saw this book called The Writer's Journey. I said, okay, well, I like to write. I always want, I've always wanted to become a writer. I wrote my first novel when I was like 16 years old. I never completed it, unfortunately, but you know, I had it in me to, to, to want to write the desire to want to write. Oddly enough, I've become, you know, Later on in life, I come to discover that I am more oriented towards being auditory. So uh, even though I enjoy writing, I can write, I can write stories, I can write poetry. I have gravitated more, as you can tell, you know, as you can see, I've gravitated more towards the broadcasting, which I call smart casting, but it's broadcasting. You know, uh, I like the spoken word. I really enjoy the spoken word as opposed to the written word. In fact, what's actually happened in my life is that, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed reading books. I mean, just like I said, back in the day, I used to go to the library and depending on which library I would go to, I would ask how many books can I check out? You know, what's the max? You know, they would say six books, seven books, eight books, whatever the max was. I would sit in the library for hours 
and just go through the different shelves, go through the different books and pick out books because I enjoyed reading. I especially enjoy learning. But ever since the explosion of information on the internet and the vast amount of podcasts that are out there and audio books that are out there, I have discovered over the years that I do much better listening. I do much better with audio. So I prefer speaking rather than writing and I prefer listening rather than reading. So here we are with the hero's journey. Now, when I grabbed this book, The Writer's Journey, I had intended to get to it, like many of the books, because I would bring eight books home, but it's not, you know, uh, let's not mistake that. <laughs> Don't think to yourself that I, I actually read of all. I would bring them home and I would hope to read them all. But it just so happened that The Writer's Journey, for that period that I have it, because, you know, then I would just take all eight books back. And unless a book really grabbed me, I wouldn't check it out again. I'd just check out another eight books. You know, cause I'd be on the hunt for that book or for that couple of books that really grabbed me. And that way I know I got something, you know, under, I got something in my hands that I'm going to absorb. Cause if two weeks have gone by or a month has gone by, whatever it is that the period of time that the, the library gives you to bring the books back, if I haven't finished the book, then it really hasn't gotten my attention, which, which fortunately, Fortunately, is not the case. A lot of uh, most of the books that I would grab, I would finish them because I, I wouldn't even take them out. I wouldn't just grab a book. Oh, what a nice cover and just take it home. I, I'd read the back of it. I'd read the inside. I'd read the table of contents. I'd get to, I'd get a sense of what the book is really all about. And then I'd decide whether I want to take it home or not. Uh, for, for the most part, most of the books that I would take home, I would end up reading them. And but it just so happened that the writer's journey, I didn't get to it. I don't know what happened. Uh, I ended up taking it back and I said, yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll get it again. And then I heard of Joseph Campbell. I already knew Joseph Campbell, uh, and some of his work. I knew about his work with, um, with, uh, mythology, uh, the goddess and, and some of his other work, but I did not know about the work of the, the, the hero with a thousand faces. I didn't, I hadn't come across that yet, but I had the, I had the writer's journey there. I didn't read it. So I didn't get onto the hero's journey at that point. I came across the hero's journey after that point, as I started to run into people who knew about the hero's journey, uh, I met a hero's journey coach, but I still had not looked into the phases. Uh, I, uh, checked out some interviews and videos with Joseph Campbell concerning the hero's journey. And, and he wouldn't really go through the phases. He would just talk about it. So I didn't know that these phases really existed. And it wasn't until much later on that I came across David Wilcock and I started following his work for other reasons. You know, David Wilcock is very much into exopolitics, into extraterrestrials and all kinds of esoteric knowledge and wisdom. And one day I was listening to one of his interview or, or no, one of his seminars, cause he does a lot of seminars and he was talking about the hero's journey. Uh, but in his case, he had a chart up and he, and he showed all of the different phases of the hero's journey. And he, as he talked about it, you know, he said the hero's journey is something galactic. It's something universal. Even other extraterrestrial civilizations 
go through the hero's journey. And that piqued my interest because I said, okay, now we're talking about something that is innate. It's something that is innate with, within nature. It's not just something that, um, it's not just something that happens to human beings, but it's something that happens throughout the universe and to different species. And I think he went so far as to say, you know, even planets go through the hero's journey. So that really sparked my interest in saying, okay, this must be, this must be one of those gene codes that I'm always on the hunt for because I'm always looking for something that innate is innately present. And all of the work that Joseph Campbell did was to look back on all mythologies throughout the world, throughout time. And he said, all heroes and all stories about heroes go through these different phases. So I got interested in the phases because then that helps me to kind of dig in and say, okay, let me be the hero on this journey and let me see what this is all about. Let me see if this um, corresponds to my experiences in life. So I actually went and got the writer's journey and uh, finally began to sit down and read it after years. It's amazing how these things come across. They come across your table and you just, it's not the moment. It's not the right time. It's not the right place, but came full circle. And um, I didn't want, cause I didn't want to read Joseph Campbell's work. I thought it would definitely be too academic. So when I looked at the writer's journey, it was really written in layperson's term terms and it was really well laid out. Now, the phases of the hero's journey are 12, according to, I think Christopher Volger, I think his name is, and he's the one who wrote the hero's journey. Joseph Campbell has more phases, I think up to like 17, but I like the simplified version of the 12 phases of the hero's journey. Now, some people may say the 12 steps and, um, but they're actually phases. I've never really looked at them outside of this kind of, uh, call it a chronological order or n numerical order. Um, the 12 phases, I like to think of them, I like to think of them as individual phases that don't have a step one, step two. But at the same time, it's hard to imagine how they have been laid out, how these phases are not in that order. So uh, I'm sure that that does happen because the author did say that these phases are not steps. It's not step one, step two. But this is a general idea, general idea of what the hero goes through in life. And depending on different circumstances in life, the hero may be maybe on one or a different of these different phases, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job. So let's take a look at the phases. The 12, there are 12 phases that I like to look at. And that is the ordinary world, call to adventure, refusal of the call, meeting the mentor, crossing the threshold, tests, allies, and enemies, innermost cave, ordeal, reward, road back, resurrection, return with the elixir. Now, Christopher uh, Volger, if I remember, if that's his correct, if that's, if I'm remembering correctly his name, uh, he became very popular, very well known because he created these 12 phases for Hollywood. He created the, the 12 phases for the movie industry. And in fact, the original Star Wars is based on the, is based on Joseph Campbell's work. 
which has all of the phases. And in fact, on the book cover of Joseph Campbell, the originator, on the, the book cover of The Hero with a Thousand Faces, it actually has Luke Skywalker on the book cover as an example of one of the heroes throughout history. Cause there's, you know, there's, there's all, there's the, the Greek gods, there's the Egyptian gods and all, you know, all, all of the heroes throughout history, but all the way up until, up in, all the way up until modern time. And what, what the writer's journey created was a template for uh, script writers to use. And it practically became so famous that you can hardly get your script into your manuscript won't even make it into um, the world of cinema if you do not follow this pattern of the of the 12 phases of the hero's journey so when he uh put this out there it became very popular and if you look at these 12 phases and you watch any blockbuster film you will see that the the hero goes through these phases and it's fascinating because after after I learned about this I started to look at films obviously I started to look at films differently because you're looking at the main characters the hero and then the hero goes through these phases so what happens is is at the beginning of this hero's journey and it's just this is stuff that you go through in life this is stuff that you go through when you go through different experiences whether you're in a new relationship, whether you're in a new job, whether you're, you're just, you're just your daily life. The hero's journey can take place within, within a day. You can have, you can go through all the 12 phases within one day, or you can go through all of the 12 phases over a period of five years, depending on what it is that you're facing in life. And what's nice to know is that if you're conscious and you're aware of these 12 phases, you can identify where you find yourself on this, let's call it a wheel. And, and identify what could be the next step. Where are you stuck so that you can get beyond that phase and go to the next phase? Or how can you prepare for an upcoming phase that you know is going to be difficult? So the hero begins, this hero's journey begins in the ordinary world. There's the ordinary world and then there's the underworld. The ordinary world is the world that the hero has become uh, complacent within has become used to it because it's the normal everyday life. A lot of films start out and you see the main character is just, you know, living their life and, and, uh, it shows the normal life that the person goes through. I remember, in, I think it was, uh, Jupiter rising. Uh, it was very interesting how at the beginning of the film, they showed the, the main character that, you know, she was just, it showed the role that she played every day, the things that she went and did. I think she used to go and clean toilets or whatever the case may be. It showed her, her ordinary life. It showed her ordinary world. My favorite, of course, is always the Matrix because the Matrix clearly, clearly shows the 12 phases. And what I like, what I also like about the, the Matrix is that there's different kinds of heroes. There's the hero king. There's the hero warrior. There's the comedic hero, uh, the, the the comedic hero, and there's the reluctant hero. And in the first Matrix, Neo was the classic, just absolute reluctant hero. And I'll get to that in a mo in a moment because one of the phases is the refusal of the call. And whoever remembers clearly the Matrix you remember that Neo was always like, I'm not the one, I'm not the one. That's the refusal of the call. So 
if we look at the film The Matrix, we look at the beginning, what do we have? The ordinary world. Uh, you know, Neo's, uh, the, there's always, yes, there was, there was the Trinity scene at the beginning, but that's this kind of, um, you know, it's, it's like a taster of what we're going to get to. Uh, but the real story begins when you see Neo just kind of in front of his computer and it's the ordinary world. He's, you know, he's a hacker. He has to go to work and, and this is his ordinary life, right? And that's where all heroes begin their journey in their ordinary life, in the ordinary world. Then there's, then there's the next phase, which is the call to adventure. The hero is then awakened by something that indicates to him that his ordinary, there's something wrong with his ordinary world. There's something that needs to change. There's something that needs to, there, there's some adventure that needs to be taken in order to shake up this ordinary world. So, the, so then, the hero has the call to adventure. And um, I'm not going to have time now, but there are archetypes. There are archetypes within the hero's journey because there's the hero and then there are the different archetypes that uh, surround the hero and the different the different archetypes that the hero himself or herself has to become in life. You're not always going to be the hero because what's interesting, um, what's interesting about the hero's journey is that when people study the hero's journey, they automatically put themselves in the role of the hero. As they look at these different phases, but in life, there are times where you're going to be the hero or there are times where you're going to be the shadow when you're going to be the anti-hero. You're going to be the, the friend of the hero. You're going to be the herald who calls the hero to adventure. So these other archetypes exist within and you go through those phases. What's interesting is that sometimes as you're being the hero, you may also be the threshold guardian for someone else. You know, so you're playing, you're living out these different roles depending on the people who come into your life and the, the, the mission or the adventure that you're on. And, you know, a lot of people are stuck on their own hero's journey because they're busy helping other people with their hero's journey. So you have the call to adventure and the call to adventure is usually the, the archetype of the herald pops up that kind of says, Hey, listen, hero, you need to try this out. You need to do this. You need to do that. Um, Neo needs to wake up from the matrix, you know, and, and that's, that, that's Trinity's being the herald and, and, and Morpheus is being the herald and they're, you know, they're saying, Hey man, check your ordinary world. It's not what you think it is. It's time for you to do something to change. It's time, you know, it's a call to change, a call to adventure. And then what happens is after that is there's the, there's a refusal of the call. The hero says, you know, that sounds interesting and all, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And sometimes the call, sometimes the refusal of the call, it can last a couple of seconds. There are certain films where, you know, that the main character is asked to do something and then they kind of just pause and look at the other person. Maybe three seconds, one, two, three seconds. They're having a moment of doubt. That's that refusal of the call. Or like in the case of the Matrix where you have Neo, who is the reluctant hero, he's constantly refusing the call. Even he's taken a step forward, but then he always fell back on this refusal of the call. If you remember uh, when he was at when he was on the phone and he was like, you know, uh, you know, what the hell am I doing? I mean, what am I doing? That's a refusal of the call or 
other moments when he went to go see the Oracle and she was like, you know, well, what do you think? He's like, well, I'm not the one. You know, that's another refusal of the call. Or when he was on the shit, he would constantly say, look, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. He was a reluctant hero, which then, you know, turned into a not, uh, the opposite. He became a, a very willing hero in the other episodes. But this first, the first one really just takes you through the hero's journey. So then after the refusal of the call, and we, we know that definitely happened with Neo many times, there's the meeting of the mentor. He met Morpheus, right? Most films, there's a teacher, there's a wise old woman, there's a wise old man, or there's, you know, some object, even a book can be a mentor. But at some stage when the hero finally decides, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for this adventure. I'm, I'm going to accept the call. I'm going to do this. A mentor pops up because the hero's going, is about to go into the underworld, is about to go into a world that is, is, has absolutely nothing to do with this ordinary world. And he, he basically does not know what he's getting into. So a mentor appears, a teacher appears, and there is guidance for our, uh, budding hero. Then what happens at this point is we start to cross over towards the, the, the underworld. We're getting away from the ordinary world. And here we are at the crossing of the threshold. And at the crossing of the threshold, there's an archetype, which is the threshold guardian. And the threshold guardian is basically when you go on a mission in life, when you want to take on a new project in life, the threshold guardian is going to set up roadblocks. It's going to say, you don't go further than this point. And sometimes the hero will turn back because he's uh, intimidated, frightened by the threshold guardian. But the threshold guardian is really there to test your resolve, to test if you are really ready to go into the underworld, if you're really ready to, to pass this cross, cross this threshold, because in a certain sense, there's no turning back. Like after this point, your life will change. Like Morpheus said to Neo, he basically knew, look, you take this pill, everything you thought you know, everything you th thought you knew about life. <laughs> Everything you thought you knew about your own existence, uh, you will not be able to turn back. In fact, if you remember on the ship, Neo, at a certain point, you know, he says to Morpheus, I, I can't go back, can I? No, you crossed the threshold. You know, that threshold guardian is there to let you know, are you sure you really want to do this? But the threshold guardian is not always, is neither a person that's on your side or against you. The threshold guardian is protecting the realm that you are about to cross into. And if you're not worthy to cross into that realm, then the threshold guardian is there to stop you and say, listen, go back to your ordinary world. Stop with this hero fantasy. You know, beyond this point, you, you don't belong. But if you feel you belong, then what you do is you challenge the threshold guardian. You, you take the warning, you heed the warning and you cross over. Cross and cross that threshold and you go into the dark forest, you go into the cave or, you know, you pop that red pill and you find yourself uh, waking up from the matrix. <laughs> and then what happens is that once you cross over, you start to go through different tests. You start to meet different allies and different enemies. You form your crew. And this falls into line with the five elements of uh, of harmonizing life that I talked about a while ago in which no project can really be done without a proper team 
You need your support system. Now, there are cases in which you can be your number one person. You can support yourself. You can be your own support system. But for the most part, we generally build up support system with other people who, who support us and who are genuine about what it is, about the help that they want to give, about being an ally. And then, of course, there are always the enemies. There are always those who the naysayers that they're going to say, no, you can't do this. Or if you try to do this, you're going to come up against me. You're going to come up against us. You're going to have roadblocks. And so the hero has to prepare. And, and as you can see in many films, there's the training. There's, you know, this is basically the phase of the training. And if you think about the Matrix, you had Neo who came on the ship and he met all of the crew. Those became allies and enemies because you had your trickster in there. There's also the trickster archetype. And what happens? Neo starts to go through his training. In many other films, when you get to this phase, this is the phase where the hero starts to train because he has to train to do what? To meet the ordeal, to meet his shadow, to meet the enemy, to meet the ultimate enemy. And so there's the training. And then there's this, this innermost cave. Now, the innermost cave, I've always had... Um, a challenging time trying to understand because I like to understand these things, not just through film, but through my personal life to say, when is it that I remember being in the innermost cave? What is this innermost cave? And I kind of like to think of it as that moment where you, you go through the training, you identify your allies and enemies, you go through the testing, and then there's this kind of dark, silent, moment of introspection and solitude where you start to reflect on all it is that you've learned, reflect on the support system that you have and you, and you reflect on, am I ready for this? Can I really do this? You know, what is actually really ahead what have I gotten myself into? And that's how I imagine the innermost cave where you just, you really, you're getting very close to meeting the shadow. And so you're obviously going to have all of your doubts. You're so far away from your ordinary world. You're so, so far away from that ordinary life that you left behind to go on the adventure. Yeah, you kind of miss home. You kind of miss it. You kind of say, what the hell did I get myself into? Was, is this really all worth it? So the innermost cave, I think is the most, is that most lonely part of the hero's journey where you doubt yourself, you doubt what you're doing, and, and you don't even know if you're really ready for what you're about to face. I can't remember if that was um the case. I think it was the case with, I think it was the case with Neo. I don't remember specifically. Probably, be, you know, when he was uh, in his in his room by himself or or. I don't remember specifically a kind of innermost cave scene or part of that story. But then there's the ordeal. There's the ordeal. Now we're on the opposite. We're way, way down in into, into the underworld where the hero now is finally facing his challenge. And of course we know that, you know, in the matrix we have, you know, go up, Neo going up against agent Smith and the, the hero at this point can either die or defeat the enemy. Um, one or the other. Most often the hero wins. <laughs> the hero wins or uh, has a victory and then escapes with, because the next phase is getting the reward. And, and the reward comes when you go through the ordeal and come out of it with what it is that you were after. 
So in the case of Neo, what he was in, you know, what he was after and what Morpheus and everyone else was after was, can we challenge the matrix? Can, you know, the, the previous belief was that you couldn't, you couldn't defeat an agent, right? And then, and then there was the part where, where Morpheus was saying about Neo, oh, he's starting to believe. Well, that was the reward. That was the gift that the hero was was to obtain from this ordeal a belief in himself and in fact the reluctant hero at that point when Morpheus said he's starting to believe is where you know the reluctant hero which was Neo started to gather the gift of believing in himself believing not necessarily that he is the one but believing that he could be the one and so that was the reward that was obtained, not only for him, but for his crew and the entire city of Zion. Cause they, cause you know, the, the, the word spread. Wow. We've got this guy who challenges the matrix. He does things with his mind. He does things that, bef- you know, never before have we seen being done. And that was the, that was the reward. And with the reward, once you gain the reward, once you go through the ordeal, then what you do is you're, you're heading back home. So now, you're heading on the road back. You're in the phase of the road back, which we are now touching another threshold where we're coming out of the underworld and we're going back to where we came from, going back to the village, going back to the city, going back to the starting point to take back to the community the reward that was won from the ordeal. Now, the road back is another threshold because there is the threshold guardian when you're coming into it into the underworld and then there's the threshold guardian when you're going out. So when you're on your way back, it's not going to be a smooth ride. And they use it. The road back is usually a chase scene (laughs) in most films have some kind of chase scene. And that's what the road back is. You've got your reward. The hero is, is upset because he's been defeated and he's coming after you to take back that reward to not let you get that reward. And usually there is another ordeal. There's an, there's another big fight. That, you know, the, the shadow, because when you go to, the, when you go through the ordeal, you're facing the shadow. You're facing your opposite, the hero and the villain. And the villain gets defeated, but the villain doesn't give up. In fact, the villain is raging now. Now he's coming after you because you got the reward. He doesn't want you to get back to your people to share the award with them, to share the reward with them, because then they'll wake up as well. And the, the, the villain weakens even more. So there's the chase. And then, there's another fight in which the hero seems to have been defeated by the villain who has sought revenge. And they call this the phase, the phase of the resurrection. And if you think about the matrix, you had the point where he got shot and then he came back. And, and in a lot of scene, in a lot of movies, you have that part towards the end where it seems like the hero is doomed. And then there's this sudden resurrection because the hero comes back, you know, the, the hero finally has this gift and he knows how to use it. So once again, we have Neo who gets resurrected and then he goes forward and then there's the return with the elixir. Finally, Neo returns. And if you remember at the end of the film, he's at the phone, he's saying, you know, this time it's us, you know, this time, you know, he completely changed. He's gone back to the ordinary world, a new person. He went back where he started but a completely different person. No longer is he the reluctant hero, but now he is the willing hero. And he returns with the elixir. The elixir is the reward. The elixir is that which he gives to the community to say, listen, 
This is what's going to change from now on. This is the way the old, this is the old way of how things were. And here is the new way that we're going to be, uh, stronger in our ability to use our mind. And then of course you can take all of these phases and just not think of them as movie scenes, but think of them as different phases that you can go through in your, or that you are going through. And in fact, I will go further to say you are going through these different phases, whether you realize it or not. A lot of people just get stuck in the ordinary world. They just have a repetitive life. Every once in a while, somebody, some herald comes along to, a, to call them to an adventure and they refuse to call and go back to the ordinary world. Some people are, you know, stuck in, in other phases. Maybe somebody's at the, at crossing the threshold point and just doesn't want to cross over. Keeps, uh, keeps, um, bothering the, the mentor, the teachers with a million questions and, you know, what about this and what about that? And the teacher is just like, you know, go forward, go into the dark forest, go into the underworld. You're ready. And, you know, some people aren't, so they just stay at the, f stay at the feet of the teacher for the rest of their life. <laughs> so you can get stuck at any of these phases, but what's interesting is that becoming aware of any of these phases, and there's a lot, there's a lot of hero journey coaches, there's a lot of seminars and programs and retreats. I mean, that this thing has gotten really, really popular. And that's nice because now popularity doesn't necessarily mean validation, but in this case, we have something that was validated by a great man who was Joseph Campbell. He, his, his mission was not to make it popular, but to actually lay out the academic work and the, the research that he put into this. And then it was later on that because the hero's journey became the writer's journey and then, you know, went into the movie making industry as well as the, uh, the book writing industry. You know, uh, anyone who, anyone who wants to tell a story, or to live a story, this hero's journey is what you need in order to make that story as great as possible and make it most enjoyable to the people who are going to absorb that story. Now, in your personal life, you can take this not as something to write stories, but to create your own story as you're living it. If you find yourself at one of these phases, you can say, okay, I see where I'm at. I have an idea of what's coming next. Let me be prepared. And then when I have an opportunity to cycle back through all these, I'd like to talk about the different archetypes because um, I've learned over the years, people get stuck on the hero archetype because they always think of the hero. They think of themselves as wanting to be the hero. They don't think of themselves as wanting to be the shadow, the villain, the enemy, but somebody is always going to be the villain if you're going to be the hero. And somebody is going to see you as the villain when they're thinking themselves to be the hero and being the villain in life is not a negative. You know, the hero goes up against the shadow in order to learn something about his or herself, his or her dark side. So sometimes I'm a villain because I'm helping the hero. So you can, you know, you can understand that that's a positive if you, if you can look at it that way, you know, a hero can't be a hero if there's a villain. So there was going to have to be villains in life. Why think of yourself? I want to be a good hero. Why not be a, uh, uh, why not be an excellent villain? Because you're going to have to play that role in life, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you will be the shadow for somebody else's journey. So why not be the best that you can be at it 
if you care about the hero. You know, often we don't think about villains caring about the hero, but look, in your personal life, you're going to come up against people who may be your friends, maybe your relatives, maybe your partner, maybe your children, maybe your parents. There are points where you're going to have to be the villain that helps them strengthen their ability to be the hero. And at some point, they're going to be the hell, they're going to be the villain that'll be looking to help you consciously or unconsciously become a stronger, more powerful hero. And then there are the other archetypes, the friend, the, 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 the allies, the, the trickster, the herald, the threshold guardian. All of these different archetypes are important archetypes that you will have to play that role at some point or another. And in fact, you may be playing all of those roles right now for different people in your life. So listen, I hope you enjoyed that hero's journey. I hope that you gathered something from it as far as your personal life is concerned. And if you are interested, there's a book called The Writer's Journey. I won't guarantee the name Christopher Volger. Uh, Christopher, I'm pretty sure it was his first name, but the, the writer's journey is an amazing book, whether you want to write movie scripts, whether you want to write stories or whether you just want to look into your personal life and see where are you within these phases for whatever it is that you're trying to face in life or whatever it is that you are facing in life or whatever it is that you need to face in life. So there we have it for another session. Uh, it's been great as always. Uh, thank you for your support and thank you for listening. We will catch up soon with another smart cast.